podcast features adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence and is not recommended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require monetary or physical sacrifices as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organization in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always these are our opinions thank you for tuning into cult podcast i'm Paige wesley and i'm armando torres and with us again we have andrea gazetta Yay! so this has been kind of a crazy week this episode's gonna be real scattered because there's a lot of people involved and a lot of crossover with a bunch of different groups. Oh, and, boy. Yeah. And also, I just spent the last like week in a weird pirate village in Oregon. So <laughs> I know. I saw a lot of pictures that looked terrifying. <laughs> it's kind of like if somebody let a bunch of pirates decorate a TGI Fridays, and then that was a town. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, just like floor-to-ceiling buoys and clutter. <laughs> it, was, it was like wonderful and terrifying at the same time. So the only information that I know about where you were staying is that it was really near the Tillamook Cheese place, which is somewhere you went. I visited the Tillamook Cheese Factory because uh, I'm fat and sometimes we get called to the light. And uh, Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, following fat protocol, my next thing was, you've sold me on this town. I need this town <laughs> in my life. You know what? It was one of those things where like, I, th- I think if it wasn't so far away from other stuff, I would be like tricking people into going there to watch their reactions. <laughs> Because, like, there's stuff like that in L.A. where I'm like, this is delightfully weird. And then I just take people there and watch. Uh, Like, one of my favorites, if you've never been to the Museum of Jurassic Technology. Yes. No. What? Oh. Oh, we're going. Is this one of the, like, creationist museum things? It's not. Uh, you will never be able to guess what it is, and it is worth just experiencing firsthand. Oh my, I feel like you. it's just all of the technology using the Flintstones. I mean, that would also be a good guess, but it would also <laughs> be wrong. Oh man, that's uh, if you're ever in LA near Echo Park, go to the uh, Museum of Time Travel. It is that wonderful. I've never been to. What? Holy been? crap! Is that what? a real thing? Oh yeah, it's it's wonderful. It's really it's amazing. You got it. We'll go there too. Hell yeah! Well, I still also need to go to the Museum of Death. Oh my god! So oh, if anyone wants too. to do like a meetup and go to the Museum of Death and see the Heaven's Gate bunk beds, then I'm in. I just went recently. Uh, yeah. Are these free museums? No. no. Okay. The but Museum of Time Travel though. is free. The Museum of Time Travel is more of like a... It's basically all a gift shop. But it's Ooh. still really cool to check out. Like, you don't have to spend money to have fun going there. Okay. Yeah. You sold me on both of these things. Yeah. I should we'll, probably write them We'll all go. Yeah. We'll go check it the, out. The uh, Museum of Jurassic Te- Technology is like $8. And I think there may be a gift shop. I've never shopped in it. The it's, Museum of yeah. Death is like thirteen dollars yeah, or something. Yeah, it's not not crazy expensive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so if this place was closer, I'd be like, "Come on, let's go to this cool place," and then just watch as people kind of stare at the seashell walls in horror. <laughs> What's and the parrot situation? How many parrots do they have? You know what? Not that many parrots. Uh, mm. A shocking amount of planes. There would be like a bunch of nautical let's- shit, and then just planes hanging in the middle of the room. <laughs> 
And I was oh, just, in the room. I thought you just meant they had planes. Well, they do. They I saw two different aeronautics museums. I didn't go. I drove past them. But yeah, I was like, we're in the middle of nowhere. Why? It's because they're aspiring to get the fuck out of there. Well, I mean, that was the thing. It's like the festival went great. Like the actual shows and everything went great. Just the town was crazy. <laughs> It was very strange. Oh, boy. Yeah. the I texted my boyfriend two days in and went, I'm not entirely sure, but I think this whole town is haunted and I can't explain <laughs> it. Um, so, yeah. So, that's where I've been for the past week trying to work on, on this very probably depressing episode. Oh, boy. Uh, so, instead of just directly telling you what we're talking about today, I'd like to read an excerpt from the LA Times on how they described it. Muldrow, Oklahoma. Up seven miles of bad road, past no trespassing signs nailed to the blackjack oaks, sits a major stop on the right-wing extremists' underground railroad. It looks more like a low-rent trailer park. Ramshackle mobile homes and polyurethane huts sit willy-nilly on this Ozark mountain, hidden by woods and surrounded by the crackle of gunfire. This is Elohim City. Oh, shit! Yes. Oh, fuck yeah. So after we covered the Bundys last week, I felt like this was kind of a natural progression and definitely something we would need to cover for other cults that we want to cover later as well, while also being kind of a cult in its own right. Oregon standoff part three, motherfucker. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, This predates all of the events in the Oregon standoff. Um, uh, Most of what we're talking about today has been active since like the early 70s to 2001. Um, it is still around. They are current. They are active. They're not nearly as active as they used to be. We'll get into it. <laughs> Them and me both, sister. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Elohim City, um, Elohim City, Oklahoma, uh, do consider themselves typically to be sovereign citizens. Yeah. Um, so oh, they're they're man. one of the first communities to kind of separate from the United States. Um, they claim to live peacefully outside the United States. Hence the crackle of gunfire. Heck, they, <laughs> they fucking love gunfire. We'll get to it. Yeah, once you get out of the U.S., it's all just... <laughs> or if you get into Mexican neighborhoods around New Year's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, I mean, really, there's a lot less guns outside the U.S. most of the time. This is the one exception where they're outside of the U.S. while still being in the U.S. Hence a lot of guns. Yeah. Merck. <laughs> During my excursion into the sovereign citizen movement and the, the sovereign nation uh, thing, which will include Elohim City, there was one tiny little thing that I found, which was there's a place in the middle of America that technically didn't belong to America. Yeah. So this guy started it as his own nation. Yes. Wait, how? It's what? in Texas, I believe. Uh, that might be it. It might be a different. It was. It's there's, happened a couple, a couple times. There's a couple handfuls of spots just where uh, plots of land kind of don't quite touch. There's little slivers of land that are technically owned by no one. Yeah. They're kind of hard to find. There are maps online of, like, all the places that are currently not owned by anybody. Yeah. Very few anymore. But for a while, there were just a handful of them kind of all over the country. Yeah. And this is kind of the case with Elohim City. Yeah. This one that I found was what I thought was going to be, like, part in connection to, like, the Oregon people. But instead, it was just some dude named Kevin that was having a real fun time. Yeah. He has, like, (laughs) he's, like, got, like, a tinfoil fort. Yeah, he's like the one instance I found of the sovereign nation people not just being a bunch of fucks. Yeah, he's no, just Kevin's like, just a party monster. What's if I up? Correctly. I'm Kevin. Yeah. This is my country. <laughs> Take your shoes off when you enter, please and thanks. Exactly. 
that's not really the case with Elohim City. <laughs> oh, not at all. Uh, so Be more El- like Kevin. Elohim City, Oklahoma, uh, started as a private retreat founded by Robert G. Millar in 1973. So, Robert G. Millar is actually a Canadian immigrant, which is, to me, one of the most important parts of the story that no one ever talks about, because this will become kind of this organization will become kind of representative for quote unquote the truest Americans and it's run by a Canadian. A Canadian. <laughs> yeah. I pose this to you. What truer American exists than, <laughs> than a, a Canadian? Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it be great if America was all poutines and I'm sorry? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, sure. Um The US of A. A. Oh, <laughs> oh I like that laugh. <laughs> um, he was a former Mennonite. So Mennonites, uh, kind of similar to the Amish, not, I mean, not the same, but just when in the lens that we would view them from as an outsider, they would seem fairly similar, similar, if that makes sense. He was born August 16th, 1925. Um, he emigrated from Kitchener, Ontario in the 1950s. What is that? A city full of cooks or something? Kitchener? I Kitchener. hardly know her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel I'm like done. that's exactly what like somebody with memory loss would refer to most kitchen appliances as. They're like, get the Kitchener. No, the other one. Uh, Kitchener, Ontario in 1950s. He moved to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, uh, where he first established a super conservative church. Now, okay. of course, remember That's, that this yeah. is Oklahoma in the 1950s. So it's more conservative than the rest of Oklahoma. Yeah, exactly. Wow. In the 1950s, <laughs> like this was happening in the 50s in Oklahoma, and people were still like, "Yeah, it's a bit much." <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> How conservative is it compared to the play Oklahoma? I mean, the play Oklahoma's got sex all over it, so I mean, mm. way, way more. Way more concerned. Okay. It wasn't okay. just the wind sleep sweeping down through the plains, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Judd is dead. Um, <laughs> so. that's, that's for all you drama nerds out there. <laughs> there you go. What up, theater geeks? <laughs> Thespians unite! All right, that's enough of me. Uh, in the 1960s, uh, Robert Millar moved to Maryland, where he ran an evangelical Christian camp near Elliott City. So, a word on Christian camps, because uh, I have been to multiple. Did you got? Did you guys ever watch that documentary about cri- the Christian camp? I think it was called Jesus Freak or something. Um, it was on Netflix. I forget. I think it is called Jesus Freak. What camp is it about? I don't remember the name of the camp. It's cult-ish. It's scary. There, there are many. There are a lot of crazy Jesus camps. Um, it yeah. Well, and it, and anyway, it honestly, it depends on which ones you get sent to. Because <laughs> um, there's also different types. You like, say that like it's prison. <laughs> hey, you know, I had a great time, but there are some people who come back and are not that happy. Um, there's actually multiple different kinds of Christian camps. So growing up, we went to one. Um, that was a family camp and conference center where your whole family goes. Oh, wow. And it's, you kind of stay in like cabins and they like have food. And then there's like day camp for the kids where you're like hiking and like river walking and making lanyards and shit. And then your parents go listen to seminars and then you make s'mores at night. Like it's actually ridiculously fun. Now the food, is this made by Kitchener's? Yes, um, there, but there's like a big dining hall. It's almost more like uh, like hotels in the woods, if that makes sense. Oh, it's like yeah, glamping. it's like fun. Yeah, it's it's kind of glamping, um, 
where it's like hiking plus Jesus, but mostly fun. Um, I would do it again in a second. Super fun. And then in high school and junior high, I went to a very famous Christian camp called Hume Lake. I don't know if any of you guys have been. I, that's no. why I was wondering about the, um, the documentary. documentary. So Hume Lake is a huge camp kind of in the mountains right behind Fresno. Um, and that also super fun. Because it's kind of like you have... Fresno? It's like you basically go to Fresno and then just up into the mountains. There's like no cell service. So what is the fun part? Leaving Fresno? Yeah, pretty much. Um, (laughs) But also they have like motorcycles. They have like a giant blob in the lake that you can go. They have like zip lines, climbing wall. Like they're legit super fun camps. They play uh, a game called Kajabi Can Can. What? So here... It sounds racist. It's so much (laughs) fun. (laughs) So much fun. Uh, So they have these like ropes that are like knotted on either side. And you stand in a circle. You all hold the knots of the ropes basically. And you kind of run in a circle and there's a giant trash can in the middle. And you're trying to swing other people into the trash can. People get like legit hurt. It is the most fun you'll ever have. <laughs> Fucking blast. Would do ten of ten would do again. Uh, so my Christian camp experience was wildly positive. Uh, I have heard of many that have not had positive experiences. It sounds like from what I was able to glean about the kind of camp he was running, it sounds like it was almost more of a like family camp conference center kind of camp. Where, like, the one we went to is family camp they used throughout the year for just, like, adult retreats and stuff, too. Not, like, adult adult retreat, but just retreats that include adults, (laughs) if that makes sense. Um, Like, women's retreats and stuff like that. It it sounds like that's kind of what he was doing. Yeah. Women's retreats. (laughs) I feel like you're missing the point. And it would just be a lot of older ladies being like, we need a point for the Lord. Um, Oh, Um, So I think that's kind of what he was doing. Uh, For some reason, in 1973, he just kind of up and left that camp, which kind of made me think that, like, maybe... What'd you do? Well, and here's the thing. I don't think it was anything improper, if that makes sense. Like, I don't... He doesn't seem like the type that would have been, like, screwing the old ladies who were needle-pointing for the Lord, but, like... What are you trying to say? (laughs) I think he maybe was too conservative. Oh. Interesting. Was the impression I got. Yeah. And again, that's an impression. I can't verify that at all. dog, you're kind of a bummer. (laughs) Hey, man. (laughs) Stop making everyone wear ankle-length hiking shit. Um... So it's great for poison ivy, but horrible for morale. <laughs> you guys have stinging nettles out here? No, no, we do not. Oh, lucky you. The Never fuck mind. is that? It's yeah. this fun plant that if you walk through it, it makes your legs burn like they're on fire because there's these tiny little hairs oh. on oh, the nettles geez. and they get in your skin and you can't get them out. They get like stuck in there and then you have to use out. It's really horrible. Anyways. Yeah. The wow. closest thing we have in California is uh, is just a bunch of weed plants uh, where it gets all sticky and they stick to you and then you smoke it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my the family camp we went to was in uh, Santa Cruz, so it was weird. It was like, "Hey, do you want to hike near the beach?" You're like, "Yeah, sure." Sounds really rough. It's, it's <laughs> real fun. Not gonna lie. One day you just go to the Santa Cruz boardwalk, and that's just part of camp. So no, yeah, no, we don't have that. Yeah, we don't have your made up dumbass fucking <laughs> attacking plants. Everything can hurt you in the forests of Milwaukee. <laughs> 
So, in 1973, uh, Millar returned to Oklahoma with approximately 18 followers. So, that's interesting to note, too, is that he basically comes back from running a camp with followers. That's super strange. These are people from the camp? Yes. Okay. So, he left possibly for being too conservative and there was people that may have... Yeah, it sounded like there was a rift with the camp. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that, I mean... Excuse me. They are They are followers, but it does, like, tract. You know what I'm saying? Like, it makes... Yeah. It's At this point, I can see why they would have, like, come with him. Right. Like, if they were in agreement that they wanted to be a little more conservative than the camp was, yeah. you know? Maybe they were like, too many lanyards, not enough scripture. Um. I will say, though, that they are definitively the 19 shittiest people in Oklahoma. (laughs) That's hard to be. For sure. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, in 1973, they returned to Oklahoma, all 18, um, many of whom were related to him by birth or marriage. Oh, okay. There we go. So, well, it's kind of like, uh, if you guys remember back when we did the Westboro Baptist Church, this is kind of like that, where it's largely one family and then also others though because he's only got one wife and a handful of kids that doesn't make 18 is this gonna get real inbred real fast yeah not necessarily i have no actual records of that but i will say that people don't join very often people stay with them and pass through very often oh okay they named they named their compound elohim city Elohim is one of the names of God. So let me actually quickly go through where that comes in. It's a grammatically plural noun for gods or deity in biblical Hebrew. So it's kind of a nonspecific name for God, necessarily. Um, It's often referred to in the singular, meaning like the sentence structure around it would refer to it as singular God, even though it is a plural word. Um, but it's technically a plural masculine noun. So is this from the Old Testament? It's from the Old Testament. Um, it's actually a standard term. Uh, it's a kind of a melding of a couple words. The word L uh, is a singular. It's a standard term for God in Aramaic, which is what much of the Bible is written in, um, which is kind of pan Hebrew as far as like language goes. It's not Hebrew. It's not Greek kind of in the middle. Um, like Spanglish. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> My favorite um, language. No sé, no sé. And then, historically, the Canaanite pantheon of gods was known as Elhim. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Um, so, essentially, it's a blending of those two words, Elohim. It, okay. God, deity, mo- multiple gods in a weird way. Um, so in the Torah, it's usually meant to mean God singular. They're the specific Hebrew God, uh, which is going to be real funny because these people fucking hate the Jews <laughs> like <What>? a lot. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. That's also, that's one of my favorite parts of some like religious groups where they like learn Hebrew just to like talk shit. Like what? Well, yeah, what that's you? what's crazy is they, like, they have a Hebrew name and they yeah. hate the Jews. It's so much work. Um, or rather, uh, the comment that they made, I think I'll get to it a little bit later in the notes is that they prefer to stay separate from other races. <laughs> so cool. They're part of what is known as the Christian identity movement. 
which is a very strange name for something very non-biblical. So it's a racist, white supremacist interpretation of Christianity, which holds that only Germanic, Anglo-Saxon, Celtic, Nordic, and Aryan people and those of kindred blood are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <laughs> you know, yeah. Jesus, that that blonde-haired, blue-eyed, just like Black Germanic Jesus would have wanted, right? Uh, and they they argue this based on um, a section of the Bible where the Israelites were captive by a group of people, but a group of people called the Assyrians. Um, but that doesn't really hold water because the Assyrians were Middle Eastern as well. So I don't. The Celts were all. They were all just worshiping every yeah spring of water and there's what no, I, they were fucking yeah. pagans forever. Yeah, it's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Um, it's not an organized religion. Christian identity is not an organized religion, and it's not connected with any specific Christian denomination. Instead. It's independently practiced by individuals, churches, and some prison gangs. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> not the kind that would let you in. I know. <laughs> I would be so fucked if I went to oh, prison. So. None of them would like me. The Mexicans won't take me like this. I can't just go and be like, howdy, essays. Yeah, you don't speak Spanish. No. No say. No say. Uh. So its theology promotes a racial interpretation of Christianity. So basically, God loves us and only us because we white. Cool. Um, So this was mainly promoted by a couple different authors who regarded Europeans as the chosen people. uh, And they considered the Jews to be the cursed offspring of Cain, which if you're familiar with the story of Cain and Abel from the Bible, Cain killed his brother Abel and then Cain was banished, never to be really entered into the Bible again, as far as the canon that we have today. Um, hey, free my boy Cain. He ain't do shit. <laughs> no, he killed him he with totally a rock. He totally murdered. He like okay. legend oh, super oh, rock. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was pretty brutal. Oh. Yeah. And there were no witnesses because they were like, it was like their parents There and were them. four people There's in the whole four world. four people on earth. <laughs> I'm just saying, innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. So, you know, the American way. Um. So they consider them to be the serpent hybrid or the serpent seed bitch what yeah so they they consider them they they call it two seed line doctrine where like they believe that everyone who's actually descended of like abraham isaac and jacob which would be the jews <laughs> typically um is actually not the jews they believe the jews are actually descended from cain and that the aryans are descended from abraham isaac and jacob that doesn't really make sense it though. makes zero sense because it's, it's the dumbest thing i've ever read. adam and eve are still their parents like they're still yeah, so close in relation still it wouldn't siblings. make any sense it does not matter yeah it's so dumb um, also they're overlooking the whole thing about how aryans are actually a race of aliens that came here and right from the themselves. hollow earth yep <laughs> we've gone over that before yes yep mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm right here so this <laughs> This belief, um, not only was it adopted by sects and gangs, um, including some motorcycle clubs. What? Well, we won't touch on that as much today, but later on I do want to cover motorcycle clubs. I've already... If you can read this, the serpent fell off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this belief holds that all non-whites or people not wholly of European descent on the planet will either be exterminated or enslaved in order to serve the white race 
in the new heavenly kingdom on earth under the reign of Jesus Christ. What? Now, <laughs> this is a crazy mixture of like end, what we would call end times doctrine and batshit insanity racism. So there are versions of apocalyptic prophecy, if you want to go into it that way. That would claim that Jesus will come back and reign on earth for a thousand years and it will be his kingdom and it will be a heavenly kingdom and everyone who is not a follower will be cast into the flames. I just, real quick, what master race can be defeated by sunshine though? Or dairy. Or peanut butter. Like, like literally everything. We're allergic to everything. Yeah. White should, people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm one of you. Don't you ever forget. Are you allergic to dairy, Mondo? Uh, I'm not allergic to dairy. I just... Uh, he doesn't tolerate lactose. dairy yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I uh, lactose intolerant. I'll stop bringing you all that cream then. <laughs> <laughs> From Bessie. Bessie. My wife. Oh. Okay. My uh, wife. Okay, all right. So their doctrine states that only... They call them Adamic, descendants of Adam... So was Cain, though. Anyway, white people can achieve salvation in paradise. If I've learned anything about white supremacists, it's that they do not understand genetics at all. (laughs) Yeah, they don't really understand genetics or history. Because there are, like, here's the thing. Independent of the Bible, there are historical (laughs) records that could very much prove them wrong. Yeah. Like, hardcore. Plus, it just sounds like they just want a club with only white it sounds like they just invented a country club they're like really. wouldn't it be great if there was a club where no one could dance <laughs> a country <laughs> club um, so part of this belief comes from a section of revelation revelation 20 chapter 20 uh, verses 1 through 6 I'll read it for you now. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit and locked it and sealed it over him so that he would deceive the nations no more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be let out for a little while. Then I saw... I know. I was like, why? Why? Why is that a thing? Baby boy, gotta go for a walk. <laughs> he needs to pee. Find your spot. He's got like a cute little chain and like Jesus is taking him on a walk. Hey, hey now. <laughs> Stop eating people. Okay. <laughs> then I saw thrones and those seated on them were given authority to judge. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony to Jesus and for the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God in Christ and they will reign with him a thousand years. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, Most of Revelation is metaphor. (laughs) Yeah. Widely accepted as such. Yeah. Because it was written by this dude... You can explain the history. Yes. So it's written by John while he's banished onto an island. I believe the island of Malta. I am not 100% on which island it is. Sounds like it was the island of Malta. Essentially, it's... it's, uh, That's Spanish for weed. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that would, you know... Look, I'm working up to join that gang. All right. (laughs) (laughs) You said all that. I'm over here on Rosetta Stone. I'm making it happen. (laughs) 
Um, he only knows the words for drugs, though. It's not really valuable. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, in prison, Mota, Coca, I'm the king now. <laughs> or El Rey. That was a high five. <laughs> Did you learn the Spanish words for ramen and solitary confinement and kitchen duty? Because I feel like those are going to be more useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any hoodle. I've just learned the Spanish phrases for it was him. <laughs> Uh, so John, while in exile, has a vision, and Revelation is what he wrote down afterwards. You tripping, dog? Yeah, it's it's a very and much of it is considered to be kind of metaphorical prophecy, where a lot of it is confusing, and and so a lot of times well, people it, are like, we think it means this, but no, <laughs> we'll find out. I it's guess self contradictory in certain parts. In even. some parts, yeah, yeah. Well, so kind it's of like, like the you know. He'll be back for a thousand years, but then defeated, but then not defeated. And it's kind of like that the whole way through where, you know, it's trying. I think there's also an element of trying to describe something that is not earthly, if that makes sense. But he's using earthly things. But he's trying to use earthly terms where it's kind of like, how would you describe something that no one had ever seen before and no one had any concept of what it would be? You know, it's kind of like listening to somebody describe an acid trip. Like, I, anytime I find out someone has taken DMT, I ask them to tell me what they saw. And no one ever has any coherent sentences to do it. Um, And I feel like this is a lot of kind of that same feel of just like, how can I tell you? You haven't seen. Like, there's no way for you to understand or comprehend. It would have made more sense if they hadn't have taken out all those, dude, bro, it's crazy. (laughs) I don't know how that translates to Hebrew. (laughs) it's crazy it's crazy um so ah forget about it uh similarities to some of these beliefs appear in zoroastrianism what zoroastrianism is that the weed one no okay uh i know what you're thinking of but it's not zoroastrianism was one of the other first uh monotheistic religions one of the first monotheistic religions. In some cases, it even predates what we would consider to be Judaism or Christianity. <clears throat> um, famous Zoroastrians include Freddie Mercury. What? Mm, there you go. Dude, that's kick ass. Yeah, it's essentially it's um, the worship of a, a guy named Zoroaster. I'd worship him too. Shit, that's a dope sure. ass name. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna name my firstborn son Zor- Zoraster. Great. <laughs> Agreed. You should. Uh, so Zoroastrianism identifies successive thousand year periods that end in cataclysm and the destruction of anyone who's committed heresy. So basically, it's like a thousand years, and then we clean it out, and then another thousand years, and then we clean it out. That's how I clean my sense. apartment. Every thousand years? (laughs) It's pretty bad. (laughs) So, here's the thing about Elohim City. They stay largely contained. They don't really talk to the outside world, necessarily. Um, They aren't gaining followers, necessarily. Or they're not actively seeking followers, which is different from most of the cults we cover. But the thing that they do do a lot is shelter people that they think align with their beliefs. Shelter like criminals? Yes. Oh. So here's some notable events in the timeline. So they sheltered a man named Jim Ellison. So Jim Ellison is actually the founder of a far-right terrorist organization called 
the Covenant, the Sword, and the Arm of the oh, Lord. Oh, these Ugh. fucking cocks. The CSA. Yeah. Ugh. So they were dedicated to both the Christian Identity Fellowship or Christian, Ident- Christian Identity Religion, I guess if you want to call it that, uh, and survivalism. So super into like guns, camping equipment, bunkers, super into bunkers. Mm. So they actually, uh, they developed a little bit earlier than Elohim City. They were only active between the 1970s and the 1980s. Uh, The CSA developed from a Baptist congregation called the Zarephath Horeb Community Church. Uh, It was founded in 1971 in the small community of Elijah, Missouri. Boy, branding is not their strong suit, is it? Yeah, no. A lot of Jewish names for people who hate Jews. So over time, uh, the congregation evolved into an extremist paramilitary organization. So they started collecting guns, essentially. Uh, They operated a large... What happened to bug collections? (laughs) Why has it always got to be guns? Can't you just get, like, a book collection or, like, a... Hey, guys, this is my ant farm. Uh, (laughs) The best part about it is that they've started stockpiling weapons for the uprising (laughs) of the minority. I mean, they're also a colony, so... (laughs) Um, You'll notice that I don't have any black ants. Um, Jesus. <laughs> or red ants. Just a lot of ants I painted white. They don't do much. I think they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, the CSA, the Covenant, the Sword, and the Arm of the Lord operated a large compound in northern Arkansas called The Farm. All right, all of that sentence was fucking badass. I know, I know what they are. I get it. I'm aware, but fucking dope names right there. Come <laughs> That's on. That's how they get you those those fucking catchy names. I know those names. Yeah, they're they've got a marketing guy on their team. Yeah, and they actually believe it or not could have their whole episode all on them. So we might want to come back and look at them again. Oh yeah, definitely. Just them. Um, In April 1985, law enforcement officers investigating the group for weapons violations and terrorist acts carried out a siege against the compound. After a peaceful resolution, officers arrested and convicted some of the top leaders, um, except for Jim Ellison, who for a time escaped to Elohim City. What were they doing? Stockpiling weapons. Stockpiling weapons. Is that against the law? Yes. Yes. Um, now, remember also... This you Okay, so you can arm yourself to an extent. Otherwise, you run the risk of basically like, starting a terrorist organization. Is there a maximum number of weapons you can own? I don't know, but we'll get into some of the shit that they were enabling terrorist-wise. Okay. Yeah. They, okay. they were carrying out terrorist acts. Okay, yeah. Yeah. that would make it sense. It wasn't just that they had guns. It's more that they were using them. Yeah. Um, so... Their organization technically dissolved in 1985, although their leader, Jim Ellison, sticks around for a little bit. Um, He considers um, Millar, who founded Elohim City, to be one of his closest confidants, and they consider each other to be mentors. Yeah. What? Yeah. Where they're like, we've both learned from each other. It was very weird. I found multiple articles where Jim Ellison was like, he's like a father to me. And then him being like, I take everything I know from him. So it's, they, they collaborate. It's dangerous. Why are they just not able to be like, this is my friend? 
This is I my have no idea. They have to make just, it all sound cool. I yeah. can't wait to hear that fan erotic fan fiction. <laughs> oh my god, there I could not find any. I was really sad. Um so the next group, Elohim City Sheltered, uh, is the Order, also known later as the ARA. So the ARA or the Order was only active from September 1983 to December 1984. They're also known as Bruder Schwiegen, which is German for Brothers Keep Silent, or the Silent Brotherhood. So they're a white... That sounds... Dark. (laughs) Well, or... (laughs) (laughs) We're just brothers helping each other, that kind of silent brotherhood. The kind that's quiet in the bushes at the truck stops. (laughs) I yeah. feel like it's a phrase, it's like a group that started with, like, uh, do you also sleep with your brother? Is he too loud? Brothers, be silent. So, uh, the silent... Hi, I'm only guy in Germany with accent like this. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Russian, German accent. <laughs> I am more Armenian spy. than anything. <laughs> it's very nice, bros. <laughs> so... The Silent Brotherhood was a white supremacist terrorist organization active in the United States between September of 83 to December of 84. Uh, the group raised funds for alt-right and even some more legitimate Republican causes via armed bank robbery. Yeah. That's pretty badass. Yeah, these guys are... Um, I've done a bunch of research into these people because the story is fucking insane. Fucking nuts. And again, these are people that could probably have their own episode, but just because they factor into Elohim City, we gotta cover them here, yeah. too. We'll give you guys... Eventually, we'll give you guys a break from this white hate. White supremacist hate. But, um, but we will yeah. come back and do it because the story itself is fucking crazy and is basically like... So racketeering is not necessarily this. Racketeering is, is uh, you know, like, started f- to get the mob down, where it's like you shake people down for money, and then you use that money to fund your stuff. But this is, like, even more so than that. Racketeering is, like, using illegal funds to fund your organization. Right. They are robbing banks. Most people doing racketeering schemes are doing something to seem somewhat legitimate. Right. These people are just like, no, yeah, no, we're, like, criminal masterminds, bro. Right. Uh, this group was active right towards the end of the CSA. But the CSA was doing a lot of the same stuff. Okay. Not necessarily robbing banks so much as, like, robbing, like, stockpiles of weapons. Or, like, um, more legitimate-sounding money laundering schemes. Things like real estate schemes and things like that to essentially launder money for the alt-right. Yeah. This is when your political movements start moving into that of uh, racketeering and illegal businesses. Yeah. And again, we will give you guys a break from from the hardcore white ass political cults. Next week is a different one. Oh. Yeah, ne- next week it's not white supremacy anymore. No, um, it's almost worse. It's yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, they were founded by Robert J. Matthews at his farm near Medellin, Washington. Um, he was baptized into the Mormon faith as a high schooler. He formed the Sons of Liberty, an anti-communist militia made up of mostly Mormon survivalists. So again, Mormon survivalist militias, just like super (laughs) tons of them. Yep. Um, I don't know how anyone can run in all those ankle length skirts. (laughs) (laughs) So the fundamental goal of the order was revolution against the American government. 
Um, so its members and those of a couple other white supremacist groups, including the CSA, uh, believed to be controlled by a cabal of prominent Jews. <laughs> this is one of those, these are the kind of people that believe that like Jews control the media and the weather, like that kind of <laughs> craziness. <laughs> One of those things is scarier than the other, by the way. <laughs> it's raining. Just, yeah, I can turn off the TV, but I can't turn off the Here's rain. Here's the and thing. Tornado. If you think that Jews can control the weather, why wouldn't you want to be on their side? I know. That sounds amazing. <laughs> like, it's nonsense to begin with. If you think the Jews are stronger than your God, you need a new God. So it's just... <laughs> It's true. No, she's not wrong. I just imagine Woody Allen putting Jesus in a headlock. <laughs> I've got you now. It's going to be a balmy 85 all week. Uh, Do you want to meet my daughter slash no, wife? Oh, God. Uh, so the order was named after and partially modeled after a fictional terrorist group in William Luther Pierce's novel, <laughs> The Turner Diaries. These fucking morons! <laughs> They're super nerds. Turner? I hardly even know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, at this point, we've got to talk about The Turner Diaries. I know this is a whole list of just crazy rabbit holes, um, but The Turner Diaries will come into play when we go over some other cults later on, so you guys should probably have a basis of knowledge about them. So, The Turner Diaries is a 1978 novel by William Luther Pierce. Um, it was published under the pseudonym Andrew McDonald. Old McDonald had the farm, like the CSA's <laughs> farm. Hey. Um, so it depicts a violent revolution in the United States, which leads to the overthrow of the federal government. Um, it includes nuclear war and ultimately a race war. All groups opposed by the author, including Jews, gays, and non-whites, are exterminated. The book was described as explicitly racist and anti-Semitic by the New York Times and has been labeled a Bible of the racist right by the Southern Poverty Law Center. When was that book published? Uh, the book was published in 1978. Is that what, what Manson read? No, this no. is after Manson. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. This Manson was, was 1969. This okay. was essentially propaganda for what later becomes the alt-right. And fun fact, if you really dive deep into a lot of... there's Okay, here's something that I should mention. For these organ stuff, remember how those episodes were yeah. there's stuff i know that i didn't let out yeah that's just in my brain no, now for real like for the real. fact that a lot of the people who were snipers and and um in defensive positions for the oregon standoff their nicknames and code names came from characters in, in the, the turner, turner diaries because oh. they're fucking they're all fucking nerds so, well and <clears throat> another turner diaries fan is going to come up a little bit later in this episode too a very famous one probably the most famous one the thing about the turner diaries because this is all mostly pre-internet at this point you know when you think about the alt-right now it's people that go into reddit and find alt-right chat rooms they're yeah incels they're racist they're <laughs> trolls like that's where it starts now but back before the internet the place where all of that would start was gun shows yeah so the turner diaries would get passed around at gun shows and sold at gun shows so you would go buy and stock up on guns and then also get copies of what essentially amounted to um white supremacist propaganda it's like when you're a kid and you get to school one day and in the locker rooms, Kevin just stole one of his stepdad's porn magazines and you just pass that around. That's what... There's probably you know. just as much jizz between the pages. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, shouts out to Kevin, dog. That shit was tight. <laughs> 
So in September of 1983 uh, is when the order was formed. Matthew's wife, Debbie, prepared a banquet for 18 guests. And they met and decided on the rules of the order. That's hardly a banquet. That's just a dinner party. At Eighteen best. is pretty big, anyway. A banquet, a ba- like when I think you're gonna rent a banquet hall for eighteen people. No, they did it at their house. Exactly. Everyone That's not had- a banquet. That's a dinner party by definition. <laughs> what if they made everyone wear white though? Ooh. That's just a sorority initiation. <laughs> Wait, is that real? I've never been to a sorority. It's it's different for every chapter. Everybody does Do it differently. Do you have to be a virgin? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna go out on a limb and say no to join a sorority. <laughs> it just sounds like ritually sacrificey and it kind of. Someone asked me. I'm doing an but all female. But there's muffins. <laughs> oh, I do like muffins. Like a Costco flat of muffins, dude. Afterward. That's how you could get me into a cult. <laughs> it's a Costco M- flat it'd of muffins. Be like, it'd be like muffins and dogs, and I'd be like, okay. Oh, you, you mean the things I have at my house currently? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so he then proceeded to lay out a six-step plan for what he wanted the order to be. They wanted to form a group, set goals, procure funds, recruit, and then. They want to execute the actions of the order. So they might, they had to take an oath, basically. Um, He had one of the members place a six-week-old baby in front of the men while they recite the oath. What? Yeah, to, like, swear on the baby. (laughs) (laughs) What? So their final step was the doomsday assassination. Uh, It's a list of targets, one per member, that were to be killed if the integrity of the order was compromised. Wait a minute. Yeah. And the like formation. they kill each other? No, like they kill like the president. <laughs> yeah. Do you th- Do you swear on this baby that you will murder people? Sounds Do you swear great. on this baby that you will murder Kim Kardashian? The order depends on it. What did we even have this baby? Well, here's the thing. So the baby got into the Bible room and thi- Basically, the baby ate the Bible. So this is... (laughs) Look, Jim Bob, just swear on the goddamn baby. Please. Jesus. After the assassinations were complete, they were to form a guerrilla army for sabotage in urban areas. So to specifically incite riots and violence in urban areas and then pull out to make it seem as if it was a race war. I always felt like gorillas were better in the jungle. I feel like (laughs) bringing them to the city is just rude, but that's fine. Yeah, it's it's sort of um, similar to the group of people, the conspirators that were around uh, John Wilkes Booth for the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, which was a group of people coming together saying, one, John Wilkes Booth is going to kill the president and the other dudes are supposed to kill other people. But what ended up happening is people in this kind of thing are... A lot of talk, not a lot of action a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so John Wilkes Booth kills the president and the rest of them didn't do shit. Hey guys, I thought we were all going to do a thing. What do you... Oh, just I'm doing the thing? Okay. People who say they're going to do some real ass shit hardly ever do any real ass shit ever. Uh, Except for these people because they robbed some real ass banks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So they weren't at first, they weren't sure how they were going to gain the money they needed to do the things they wanted to do. So, uh, they started bidding on lumberjacking and timber contracts, <laughs> counterfeiting money, and then funding from overseas oil and robberies. The timber cr- contracts would serve as their quote-unquote legal funding. Counterfeiting money uh, appealed to kind of the ideals of subverting the government. 
um, and then pulling in money from the outside would give them the funding they needed, um, but also kind of devalues U.S. currency. See, when you bring counterfeit money in, that furthers inflation. Guys, I know that we have a solid plan, but I would like to suggest this new website called GoFundMe. I think <laughs> I think this could really put a game changer. I love robbing banks. Don't get me wrong, but it's just easy to set up. <laughs> so initially, they didn't want to use robbery because they thought it was sinful. But then they decided they could just, quote unquote, rob pimps and dope dealers to get their criminals off the street. So here's the problem, though. Uh, They tried the timber contracting. That was one of their first things. But it wasn't enough money. They they said, quote, it would not fund the right wing for a week. Lumberjacking Uh, our way to freedom. (laughs) Uh, So the order decided to try robberies. They attempted to target pimps and dope dealers. But after weeks of just following black men in flashy cars, they realized they had no idea what a pimp or dope dealer truly (laughs) looked like. They decided to switch to other crimes for funding. <laughs> so essentially, these people are so racist. They're so stupid. They were just like, I bet that black guy in a nice car is a criminal. And it's just like a dude with a job. Like, that's they're just following. God, they're so dumb. They were blinded by their racism. Um, so they started. It's funny because they're stupid, but I feel like. During that same time, there are police officers with the same set of knowledge. In the 1970s? Yeah. In Oklahoma? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah probably. So it's just like, that's really scary to think, like, this is just what people are trying to do, and they're like, oh, God, yeah. Jesus. Okay, anyway. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So the order raised money through violent crime. They began with the robbery of a sex shop, uh, which netted them $370. <laughs> <laughs> And all the dildos they could want. <laughs> Nobody Thank even had you. to send one in. <laughs> I know. Uh, Guys, I hate to be the funny man in the group, but we just made a dick load of money. <laughs> <laughs> How long you had that one stocked for? For weeks. I, for weeks. It's the whole reason I suggested it. <laughs> so, uh, after robbing that sex shop, uh, they they robbed several banks um, and they bombed a theater and a synagogue. What? And then looted them essentially. Wait, what did the movies or the what? Jews control the media. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's and yeah. the weather. Wait, so do they? Just <laughs> they not... bombed a weather station. No, I'm kidding. They oh didn't, but that would have been great. Do they just like not enjoy films? Then, like, they, do they not watch movies? They do not engage it's, in it's public. The culture? liberal media. It's run yeah. by the Jews. They they make their own. <laughs> yeah, this isn't it's like bad. Th- this is not even an outdated form of thinking for these types of people either. Yeah, these are the same people that that spout off fake news and the liberal media. That's this kind of thinking. Yeah, this is just twenty years, or thirty years earlier. Yeah, they just weren't good at naming the lingo yet. Yeah. So. Um, from these, as well as a couple of armored car robberies, um, including one near Ukiah, California. Did they ever kill or hurt anyone during oh, these yeah. robberies? Oh, yeah. 100%. So they're committing yeah. murder. Oh, full blown. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that robbery netted them $3.6 million. Jesus. So now they had a lot of money. But isn't that trackable? Not if it's robbed. 
Interesting. And this is the 70s. There's no computerized. Oh, yeah. yeah or yeah. this is the 80s. I'm sorry, 83. Yeah. Even if you're going to do that, if you still do it, you can launder the money through that way. You just okay. do it through. Because they did Offshore have. Le- banks. Yeah. The they had legitimate businesses uh, at the forefront, at least when they started it. Yeah. So okay. you can do it through that. Say, uh, hey, you know how our lumber business isn't making money? Well, we just got a contract for a bunch of money and they paid in cash. Yeah. We don't know where the cash came from. They just paid us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have the cost of the labor and blah, blah, blah. It's endless supply of income. This is money laundering 101, which I probably shouldn't be talking about. (laughs) I'm learning so much. Yeah. Crime is actually thoroughly It sounds like it does pay. It's fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, in this case. That's the one thing that they got wrong, is crime pays a lot. It's <laughs> pretty great, actually. Yeah. I think I'm going to quit uh, my job. <laughs> um, and Hold on. A true crime podcast where we just cr- commit true crimes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. So, proceeds from these robberies were distributed to the leaders of some sympathetic organizations, including William Pierce. What's that? The guy who wrote the Turner Tires. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Ten of the members were tried and convicted for racketeering. Which we have talked about on this show before, how hard it is to get convicted for racketeering. To get convicted on racketeering, you have to fall under the RICO Act, which means that they have to prove you guilty on several counts of things. And which is why the RICO Act is hardly ever enacted, because it is so hard to do that. Essentially, they have to prove a chain of crimes mm-hmm. that all relate to each other. They have to prove that you received money illegally and then spent that money on illegal activities to either procure more money illegally or to contribute to the deaths or other crimes. Yeah. yeah. This is essentially enacted to stop mobsters. Yeah. Again, this is not for the... These people fall into this, which is... If you fall... If you're doing this and you're not like a mobster, if they're committing these crimes to fund these things, you're essentially a super criminal. If you fall under this, you're like a super villain, like a real life super villain. Yeah, this is the Joker status is who we're dealing with. So they're Which, mobbing for Jesus, basically. <laughs> kind of, except that he was a Jew. <laughs> um, I want a Christian rapper to come out with an album called Mobbing for Jesus. <laughs> I'm sure it's happened. Like, I am almost, like, if we Google this after, I would almost guarantee you that there is probably something similar. Jesus is my godfather. There you go. Um, I think this is also kind of interesting when we see the the alt-right now, um, how much they love the Joker. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah. why. That was oh, a big thing. Oh, yeah, that last guy and yeah. his girlfriend. Jared and the... Amanda Miller. They're, okay, I said girlfriend, they're married, I guess I should, whatever, that's technically... I mean, they're, they're married. He's a they're, sacred rat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they like the Joker, and so do a lot of other people. They like the ideology of um, anarchy and a complete separation from, essentially, a higher power of government. Yeah. I Some people like- just want to watch the world burn. Exactly. So, um, as I said, ten members were tried and convicted for racketeering, and then two of them were convicted of murder for their role in the, in the 1984 murder of radio talk show host Alan Berg. Why did they kill him? We'll get Jews to okay. control the media. The yes. So Alan Harrison Berg was an American attorney and talk show host in Denver, Colorado. Uh, he was mo- known for being very liberal and outspoken. Uh, on the evening of June 18th, 1984, he was fatally shot in the driveway of his Denver home. 
by members of the order. Um, his talk show sought to flush out the anti-Semitism latent in the area's conservative population. Oh. So he was outspoken and they killed him, basically. So he had tried to provoke them into engaging in conversation with him on his talk show. Um, and they put a hit out, essentially, on him. So other members of the order involved in the killing were also identified as being part of a group planning to kill other prominent Jews. So he was just the first one they got to. And they caught them, thankfully, before they moved on and killed a bunch more. Um, so the two members that were convicted were David Lane and Bruce Pierce. Uh, they were convicted on charges of civil rights violations for their involvement in the case. Um, though they weren't charged or convicted of homicide, essentially hate crimes instead. Uh, they were sentenced to 190 years and 252 years in prison, respectively. Lane died in prison in 2007, and Pierce died in 2010. They didn't go for homicide, right? They went no, for like, they hate went crime? for hate crimes. So the reasoning behind that is um, because all you have to prove is within a shadow of doubt, uh, and a lot of juries convi- uh, confuse that with like any amount of doubt. Yeah. So mm. that's why like OJ. Um, Casey Anthony. That's why these high profile so people get away. Normal people are kind of dumb. Yeah, and we don't understand yeah. the law. Yeah. That well, we're so part you don't want to go for something like that, like like homicide completely. But you can definitely prove without a shadow of doubt that it was a hate crime. They did it because he was Jewish. So okay, yeah. yeah. The other thing to remember too is that whenever you've got cases like that, you have to find people that for a jury, you don't have to find people that don't know anything about the case, but you have to find people who are ambivalent. About the case. Sequestered Mm. from the biased news and also, um, you know, have no prejudice towards either or. Which is why when you go to jury duty, they're like, do you have any prejudice towards any kind of person? And I always go, yeah, white power, brother. And then they always let me go. (laughs) They're very confused. (laughs) Um, so, after the order, in 1986, uh, a Canadian woman and her children sought refuge in Elohim City. Uh, they were contravening a court order, awaiting the custody, awarding the custody of the children to her husband. Officers attempting to arrest the woman were met with a show of arms. So, they were met with a militia that had semi-automatics, and rather than risk gunfire, the officers withdrew. Much like in Oregon. Mm-hmm. No, that was in Nevada. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, also, it's much less cool than it sounds, which I thought was just a bunch of dudes. They were like, all right, send out your buffest. And then they both go, and then flex real hard. And whoever has the better bicep wins. That's not what happened, but I wish it was. Yeah, Me right? Too. That's yeah. a show of arms. That's how we should <laughs> set awards. Go, Popeye, go. Just when you declare war on a country, you each send one person to just get super fucking ripped. And <laughs> just your show of arms. Or you just like, here are all the severed arms we've collected. It's oh, a- God. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, so many. It's a map. How many of those are bare arms? Um, <laughs> so by the mid 1990s in Elohim City, four members of the Aryan Republican Army um, were residents of the city. Uh, Brescia. So Michael William Brescia, one of the members, was engaged to Millar's step granddaughter. I would like to point out pretty big age difference. How how many people are in this so called city right now? Um, there's a kind of a static amount of like 20 to 30. It's not a great city. It's not a lot. Uh, and then no sushi there. They can't know. It's, it's literally just a bunch of trailers. And then they've got like P they kind of shelter people as they come through. 
Um, how what's how old is that child that he's? She was at least a teenager. Um, she because she was of age, but he was like forty. There's like a twenty year age difference or something like that. Um, Just like the Lord intended. Yeah. Well, he stayed in the city for about two years. So that's the other okay. thing too. So he was engaged and stayed in the city for two years, and then I think broke the engagement off because um, oh, somebody else ended up marrying. Uh, that's the other thing too. People kind of pass through and then marry into the family, and then they either end up in jail or they die. And so there's a handful of different people that have either been married to Millar's grandchildren or children um, and then have either left or they just stay in the city. Um, So between 1994 and 1995, uh, all four of them together with other members of the ARA, um, which were also occasionally, that's also the order and occasionally known as the Midwest Bank Robbers, they were responsible for a series of 22 bank robberies totaling over $250,000 in the American Midwest, which they used to finance white supremacist causes. Uh, allegedly, the biggest thing that they financed was the Oklahoma City bombing. Ooh. Timothy what? McVeigh. He's coming up. Yeah. So yeah. Millar denied any knowledge of the robberies, even though they were functioning out of Elohim City. I also like how you said with such like... I don't want to say disgust, but with like kind of like ugh, you were like they were also for some reason called the Midwest bank robbers. I didn't think it and was then, as cool of a name. And then next sentence, yeah, they were responsible for robbing twenty-two banks in the Midwest. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. I just don't think it's very creative. That's true. Um, it's so- not. It's not. And this is again the only group that I think is kind of fucking cool, except when you get into anything else about them. Right. All right. the murders. Yeah. 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 It's like the idea. Like the idea of. I mean, it's Suicide Squad. Is what yeah. it is. It's bad guys trying to band together to do what they think is right. Unfortunately, what they think is right is killing everybody that's yeah. not white. <laughs> that's I'll, not I'll great. Say it, I'll say it like this. If it was a movie, pretty dope. But since they're people, fucking dumb. Yeah, and terrifying. Yeah. Uh, so one of the most famous people that also lived in Elohim City during this time is a guy named Chevy Kehoe. Uh, he was raised increasingly... <laughs> You'll know him later as Chevy Chase. Yeah. No, he was no, named not after, at all. Not he at was all. Named after the cars. Yeah, we have to go ahead and explicitly say Chevy Chase had no relation to Elohim City. Not at all. Or did he? No. Read into it, sheeple. Not remotely. <laughs> uh, so Chevy Kehoe was raised with extreme anti-government and white supremacist beliefs. Uh, he formed an ambitious plan to bring down the government uh, with the Aryan People's Republic militia. Look, you gotta have goals. Yeah. And the worst part about him? Drove a Ford. <laughs> uh, to attract recruits, he embarked on a series of firearms and property crimes that would eventually lead him from Washington. Uh, he grew up in eastern Washington to Arkansas. Um, and as he followed gun show events. So he was one of the ones that kind of got dragged into the gun show circuit. Um they're like carnies, but much more shooty. Yeah. Like if a carnival was all the shooting places, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a bunch all. of shooting galleries. Yeah. But instead of water guns, it's real guns. <laughs> That's what's so terrifying. Here, hold these bullets, children. <laughs> so uh, he married one woman named Karina Gum, and they had three children. And then he married a second wife named Angie Settle. 
<laughs> She's settling for number two, apparently. Uh, she was also occasionally known as Angie Murray uh, in Idaho in 1993, and he espoused that polygamy was the best way to further the Aryan race. So, like, essentially outbreed every other race. Yeah. Isn't it great when you can use your racism to fuck two women? Oh. Isn't that awesome when you're able to use your horrible racism ladies, to be a horrible person? Ladies, Jesus stop. Christ. We cannot sleep with racists. We just can't. We can't. I like, not to kink shame, but don't give them what they want. They're bad yeah, people. Don't give them that white pussy. Stop. Jesus. Don't give them that Aryan vagina. It's That's not white. Real it's gross. Pink. Don't that give them that ca- real Caucasian cockhole. <laughs> please Armando cut. Torres. Please. Uh, so in February of 1995, uh, Kehoe and his father robbed the Tilly, Arkansas home of William Frederick Mueller, a gun dealer who had a large collection of weapons, ammunition, and cash. In June of 1995, uh, he and an accomplice kidnapped and robbed Malcolm and Jill Friedman, a Jewish couple, who owned a store at which Kehoe was once employed. So they were his former bosses. Like, they gave him a chance to work with them, and he came back and robbed them. Dick. So in 96, him and another accomplice accomplice, uh, returned to the home of Muller. Uh, They murdered Muller and his (gasps) wife. Why? And his eight-year-old stepdaughter. And they dumped their bodies into a swamp. Oh, my God. Kehoe and his family took the stolen property to a motel in Spokane, Washington, by way of Elohim City. Yeah. And to answer your question, it uh, if I remember correctly, it was like a uh, home invasion thing. Yes. Yeah. They were there to rob them and then just ended up was like, well, might as well murder all these people. And Here's- I want to be clear. They're not robbing them of money. They were stealing guns. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, is like if you believe like they they don't even track their own beliefs. Like if you believe that you want like you only have certain enemies and they're just killing whoever this like, is it doesn't. Ends justify the means. Yeah, yeah it really people. is. These just people are no the epitome logic. of ends justify the means. Yeah, it's just a whole cult of psychopaths. So another person that stayed in Elohim City was a guy named Richard Snell. Um, his remains were actually released to Elohim City residents following his April nineteenth, nineteen ninety five execution in Arkansas. Uh, he taunted jailers at the time that something drastic would happen on the day of his execution. Uh, if you're not familiar, April 19th, 1995, and we have the date correct this time. Yeah, you nerds. Is the Oklahoma City bombing. <gasps> so he knew about it ahead of time. Oh, what? Yeah. So earlier criminal proceedings had produced evidence that Snell and other affi- and other affiliates had actually visited the Murrah building to examine it as a possible bombing target in 1983. However, when he watched the televised reports of the Oklahoma City bombing prior to his execution, according to Robert Millar of Elhim City, uh, who was with him at the time, he was appalled by what he saw. Now, if you're under if you're unfamiliar with how the Oklahoma City bombing went down, initially the truck that carried all the fertilizer, essentially the giant truck bomb, was supposed to be parked underneath the building, which would have inflicted a lot of damage, but would not have necessarily killed a lot of people. It was also supposed to go off outside of working hours. So it's supposed to destroy the government property, but not necessarily the lives of the people working there. Ideally, yes. Okay. However, the truck did not fit into the garage, 
And so Timothy McVeigh kind of improvised. He ended up parking the truck right on the street outside the building, outside the nursery. <gasps> he knew what where it the was. nursery was. They he encased knew that the it was building. There. Yeah. yeah. This Why wasn't... did he do that? He didn't care. It was maximum amount of destruction. Yeah. He's oh, I'm upset. I'm so upset. All of upset. these people are horrible. I'm people. so upset. Also, the original um, kind of way that they were trying to go. I guess not necessarily a press release, but that Timothy McVeigh acted alone. But you'll see that he has this back grouping of patriots, quote unquote patriots. Of they course. helped both plan and fund that bombing. How did yeah. they meet up? Because like Timothy McVeigh, from what I recall, his he had all this like personal vendetta against that particular built government. No, no. Mm-mm. How did he meet up with them? Gun, Gun shows. shows. Oh, this fuck. is remember on More the Oregon stuff where I said that everything, everything seems like a terrorist attack, but in in reality, it's all a part of this bigger, scarier group, this underground network of white supremacists and anti-government officials or anti-government groups that are funding and putting the ideas into the heads of these people. I just don't understand. Like, I just don't understand the way... Like, I don't understand that whole culture. And, like, it's just so mind-boggling to me how you can read a book about, like, accepting and caring about people and, like, somehow turn that into, like, hate. Like, I just... I oh, can't. you mean the Bible as far yeah, as yeah, accepting yeah. and caring about people. Oh, I don't know. The I you were talking about the Trinitarian. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Yeah. yeah, I'm just so surprised and shook that you can read a book. They're so boring. (laughs) There's no pictures. Well, and if you're wondering, like, hey, you know, these people claim to be Christian. Are there things that support them? No. If they'd actually read the Bible, they would have had to read Galatians 3.28, which is, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. No racism, dude. Drop the mic. Like, they just doesn't fly it does not fly that's just as jesus intended it to be read <laughs> so with a sick beat under it okay um, timothy mcveigh is known to have telephoned elohim city two weeks before the bombing and stayed there at one point as well so he was a resident and a domestic terror terrorist um, he killed 168 people and injured over two, or injured over 680 others in the bombing of the Oklahoma in the Oklahoma City bombing. Jesus. Uh, the bombing at the time was the deadliest act of terrorism within the United States prior to the September 11th attacks. So it remains the deadliest act of domestic terrorism in United States in United States history. Um, in 2008. An Adair County man who had been evicted from Elohim City was charged with threatening to commit violence against many of the residents. He was acquitted in 2009 following a two-day jury jury trial in which he represented himself. Never, never, <laughs> never, do never that. represent yourself. Never do that. You know, here's the thing. Do represent yourself if you're a piece of shit. Oh, Please do. Yeah. yeah, do it because you'll get convicted. It'll be great for everyone. Here's the thing. If you, if, you, if you get arrested and you know you're guilty... Represent yourself, because what does this dumb lawyer know? You know what is that? <laughs> Only if you're guilty. If you're not guilty, always let a lawyer represent you. But if you are guilty, fucking dumb Jew lawyers. What do they know? Am I right, guys? Am I no. right, Elohim City? No, wrong. Hey, where Very my Elohimers wrong. at? So here's a list of some 
uh, of Elohim City's basically famous residence. So James Ellison, who we covered, who was the white supremacist leader of the CSA, the Covenant, the Sword, the Arm of the Lord. Also, Carol Howe, who was an ATF informant who then flipped. So she worked undercover in Elohim City and then was uh, then basically stockpiled guns herself and committed a couple robberies. Carol, as well. you punk ass bitch. These people are very good at getting you get, like brainwashing. Yeah, they flip people real good. <sighs> yeah. Um, Chevy Kehoe, who we covered. Um, Dennis Mahan, a former Imperial Dragon in the Oklahoma Ku Klux Klan and an organizer for the White Aryan Resistance, lived in Elohim City for a little bit. Yeah, fun fact. Those Klan people, they use like Grand Wizard Dragon. Those are like their hierarchy terms. Nerds! Fucking nerds. It's just, nerds. It's ironic that they use the dragon, which is like a symbol of Satan, to represent themselves like it just is like what do i need to read the verse again no jesus ain't on board for your shit so in addition to everybody i listed uh andreas strassmeyer who was a german immigrant damn it uh, (laughs) he's the head of elohim city security he and he was phoned by timothy mcveigh two weeks before the oklahoma city bombing as corroborated by phone records so it seems like that andrea doesn't love everybody (laughs) (laughs) not so much Funny thing, Andrea actually means manly or courageous. I can see it. <laughs> it was real awkward growing up. It's like, I'm a pretty, pretty manly. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Uh, according to the Anti-Defamation League, Elohim City residents have preferred to identify themselves in milder terms. Indeed, to many residents, the compound has been a place of refuge rather than a site from which to wage holy war. Not really. <laughs> Extremists visiting Elohim City expecting some sort of bastion of white rage, like the former Hayden Lake, Idaho compound of Aryan Nations, again, someone who could have their own episode, were frequently disappointed by the comparatively more reclusive lifestyle adopted by many residents. Millar acknowledged that community members favored racial separatism, but claimed, somebody said, you're not a racist, you're a purist, and I sort of liked that. (laughs) great yeah similarly his oldest second oldest son john one of eight millar children in the community's presumptive new leader following the death of his father in may of 2001 has said we consider ourselves survivalists in the sense that we want to survive the best way we can we have weapons but any person within 15 miles has more weapons per household than we do we don't make a big thing about weapons we don't think we can keep the national guard away with a few weapons i mean that's logical I guess I don't think it's true. Um, now, before his death in 2001, in 1990... Well, oh, I also want to know the breakdown of this city. How many yeah. of them are women and how many of them are men? Um, It's it's mostly dudes. There are women there. I mean, it's not half and half. It's probably two-thirds guys, one-third It's about girls. the same as the Oregon standoff, where a lot of the people on top and a lot of the people present are men, and then the other women and children there are the wives and children of the people that are there. Captives. I mean, wives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't... The thing is, is that sometimes... They're choosing to be there. Sometimes these women and children... I mean, don't... Obviously, don't blame the children. It's all, you know, raised to be a certain way. But the wives also follow the same thought process. Well, and and you have to remember, too, that some of these... Some of these wives and children that will grow up to be these wives were raised by Millard. He's all they've ever known. They've grown up in Elohim City. Right. That's all they know. This is literally their entire life has been fighting the government. And this is why homeschooling is a huge problem. Uh, well, yeah, when it's done this way, yes. We covered a couple different cults that had homeschooling. And I think we covered on the other one where a lot of times 
states regulate homeschooling and you have to have like a group school and then it pretty much works out uh but for this not so much and truancy is really really hard to enforce when you don't even have somebody in the system Mm. because remember these people are are off the grid yeah they're completely off the grid yeah but a little bit a little bit of smallpox could wipe them right out possibly yeah i don't i don't know vaccines there possibly i mean i don't imagine they have health insurance So, in 1997, before Robert Millar died in 2001, he confirmed that he turned over information to the FBI regarding both the Oklahoma City bombing and some of the robberies by some of the people that had lived in the city. Ooh, so he's a turncoat. We don't know. No one knows exactly what he told them. Uh, He said he objects to the term informant because he thinks that the term implies that he's running to law enforcement. He said he doesn't initiate contact with law enforcement officers, but does cooperate if they contact him. So basically, he doesn't say anything until they ask. (laughs) And even those bullshit, like, it's not a secret, just nobody asked me about it. Right, right. Fuck you. So, um... He talked to the FBI, a local sheriff, and Drug Enforcement Administration. He said, although he doesn't remember providing information to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, he may have. Um, I don't remember. I was saying so much shit, I don't even remember who I was talking to. So, this actually came out during the government's case against their former ATF informant, Carol Howe and James Dodson. Um, Carol, why? (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) How, where, why? They were charged with willfully making a bomb threat and possessing a non-registered destructive device, a bomb. Oh, okay. And conspiracy. The charges arose in the aftermath of the FBI's learning of a statement on the couple's answering machine that 15 U.S. cities would be bombed beginning December 15th, 1996. that was their answering machine message? Yeah. Hi, you've reached the residence of Blah 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 Carol. Uh, We're going to be bombing some cities. Go ahead and leave a message. What? <laughs> beep. Yeah. That's just a fun little joke. That's just me doing it's, the beep. I mean, you can't prove that was us. No, it's definitely me, Carol. <laughs> so that is Elohim City. Like I said, they're still around. His son, John, did assume control after 2001. They haven't been as active, necessarily. Um, Look, we're taking not- a break from the general uh, terrorism. Mostly gardening. As these movements have moved online... That's not their forte. You know, if you're online, you could be anywhere. You don't need the shelter of Elohim City. Yeah. So they have, in some ways, outlived their use. They're yeah, never going to hear this. It makes me so angry. Yeah. Yeah, imagine one of them just being, just listening to podcasts. <laughs> just, hey! Hey! I mean, first of all, I do want one of those weird Hollywood youth shirts. But secondly, <laughs> they said mean shit about us. Yeah, so that has been Elohim City. As I said, we'll probably cover a bunch of those other tangential groups as we go. But this has already gone on for an hour and some change. So, you know, we'll get to them another time. And I don't know about you. I'm kind of tired of talking about white people. So uh, just some heads up. So we did get mail. (laughs) We just did not get to the mailbox place in time to retrieve it today. So hopefully on a future bonus episode we're going to be opening those packages it'll be super fun thank you for sending stuff yeah so i we have definitely mail from some of you listeners and then i also have a package from a cult leader (gasps) yes (gasps) which i will open on air i will wait 
and we'll, we'll open it for the bonus episode. It'll be great. I'm oh, so excited. Boy. I'm so excited. Uh, I think the best part about it was, so some of you may know, a cult that we covered had an Etsy store, and that Etsy store was great. Unfortunately, after we covered them, which is why I'm not saying their name, uh, they closed their Etsy store, and I was real bummed out about it. But then they reopened it. So I ordered things from the Etsy store, and unfortunately, they did not have the one that I wanted, which meant that I had to engage in some emails with the cult leader. (laughs) It's been great. Super excited. Hope that package doesn't have a snake in it. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mondo, you're going to be in Portland... Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, I'm Armando. That's me. Uh, I'm going to be in Portland, Oregon, as well as Oregon City from May 3rd to May 7th. And then after that, I will be in Washington, mainly Seattle, from May 7th until May 12th. And then on your way back, we're both going to be in Northern California. Not for a show. We're going to be taping some episodes with my family. Yeah. <gasps> what? Yeah. Be really fun. Oh, my it's God. It's going to be super fun. We'll get to find out their exact ages. <laughs> <laughs> in relation to themselves. In relation to themselves. So we have that. And then literally two days later... You and I are roast battling each other. Yes. Whoa, what? Actually, hold on. Wait a second. Is that May 8th? May 15th. 15th. That's right. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see this battle. It's going to be good. They're both master battlers. It's, it's going to be, be real very fun. mean. It's, it's, this is going to be real. Like, remember when I said that Danielle Perez is so desperate she let the whole city of San Francisco run a train on her? Like, meaner, <laughs> meaner than that. I love you, Danielle. I'm still sorry, but not really because that was a great joke. But I love you. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, so uh, if you want show dates for where I will be, when I will be there, uh, my Instagram and Twitter are both at Mondo Does Stuff, M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. And I'm at Paige Wesley on Twitter, at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. Oh, hey, guys. I also do stand-up. I don't know if you know that. I'll be at the Cape Fear Comedy Festival this week in Wilmington, North Carolina. I have three show dates, May Thursday, May 3rd, Friday, May 4th, and Saturday, May 5th. Uh, you can check all that information out if you want to follow me. Count me, Cape Afraid. <laughs> uh also, if you want more sweet content with the amazing Paige Wesley, you can check out my podcast, Andrea Loves Everybody. Her episode drops this Wednesday. Where I talk about dating as a fat person. And the trials and tribulations. It's a really good episode. It's actually one of my favorite episodes, so I'm pretty <laughs> excited about it. It gets weird on the internet, you guys. Big surprise. Yeah, the yeah. internet is crazy. <laughs> uh, so please check that out. You can follow me everywhere at Sundress Comic or uh, check out my podcast at Andrea Loves Everybody on the social medias. And thank you. Uh, if you like our show, you want to follow us on uh, the social media on Instagram. We are at Cult Podcast. We are at Cult Podcast Show on Twitter. If you want to send us an email, send it to cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. And if you want to send us an actual package, like, or a letter, or a human head, or whatever. Or a human's package. Or a human's package. Uh, so you could send us all the dildos you want. Uh, so if you want to do that, our address is 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like, like the, the Shining. Shining. In Los Angeles, California, 90065 darling light of my life <laughs> he says that before he crashes into oh, the door and yes. murders, tries <laughs> to murder his family i got it <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. I have not seen that film. Oh, it's oh, a good one. Uh, it's really good. There's a lot of Almost as good seen. as the moon landing. <laughs> oh my god. Mm. This is not turning is into a conspiracy podcast. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Uh, so what should we say for today? Don't drink Don't drink the water at the gun show. Yeah, don't drink <sighs> don't drink the gun show Kool-Aid. Oh. It's just gunpowder mixed with <laughs> no, water. No, it's just church punch, which anyone who grew up in the church knows comes in giant two-gallon bottles. It comes in pink, orange, and purple, and those are the flavors. They're not any actual fruit flavor. It's just like Colors. red, orange, and purple church punch. Don't drink the church punch. Ugh. Bye. Bye. Bye.